Anyway, it's good to be together tonight. I thought of a passage here coming in. Since in brother, in honor of Brother Bill, I'll take a few minutes here. You like that? No. Um, good to have uh, Tim and Sarah with us tonight. Okay, back there. This is in the. Uh, Jeremiah 29, I think it's one of our, probably one of our, we hear this frequently, but it's, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I, when I read that, I think God has that there because of things that he takes us through that would give rise to question, does he really know what he's doing, is there a purpose is in uh, most painfully at times, is there an end in sight? You know, and says so he has an expected end. And that word there, uh, expected end, is a cord or an attachment. And I think, you know, things you can't see at the time, if you will, and I will hold, we will see that God will, is, was using them for our good. He's got it wired. That's where all things do work together for the good. Doesn't mean you see it or you always agree with what's happening, but he, he's got it. We're talking about a heavenly father that's got it. And I repeat it again, not one sparrow falls from the sky that he does not know it. <laughs> he's aware of it. But when you think of the cord and the attachment, you think, well, I think of Rahab and the spies and what she, you know, she used to lower them out. And, and um, it, it, it really, in the midst of the chaos, it, it, that was, that, at the end of that, for her, was hope. You know, and, and, and her family was saved, ultimately. You know, so it, it, it really is, um, that's the expectation of good, you know, that she was, she was connected to. You know, she lowered him down, and that was the same... Um, piece of rope that she was to hang out when they came back into Jericho. And it just it preserved her family. And it just, you know, there are things that, that God has in place that if we really will hold to that cord or that attachment will bring us into hope and encouragement, I think. And you think, I assume that that rope was made out of, uh, she, she hid them in flax. So I assume it was made out of flax. And in all probability, not. I don't think when she made it, she probably ever envisioned or had intended that it would be used for that purpose. Which is, that's like God too, you know. You sow to things, you do things, and it's like, why am I doing this? And down the road, all of a sudden, that thing has a place and a purpose. And are you ever thankful that you, you sowed to it? At the time, it may have seemed futile, but God used it, and it brought hope and it brought deliverance. So, I don't know what I don't know what the uh, the cord is tonight for you, for each one of us. That if we will lay hold of it in the spirit, it it will it will um, bring forth a measure of deliverance, perhaps, and, and just encourage us with. A measure of hope. 
Lord, help us tonight. We'll go ahead and gather out the sanctuary.
song I wrote a couple of years ago. I was doing ministry at the hospital where Sarah worked and talking with the cancer patients when they would come out and sit in the lobby and listen to worship music. I took this from 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 13. It's kind of an, an odd section to take a song from because Paul's giving his final salutations to Timothy and directing him some things, some personal business that he needs taken care of. And he makes mention for all of you that are interested in apologetics, he makes this kind of odd remark. He says to Timothy, bring my cloak and the parchments and papers that I left with Carpus at Troas. And I think when the translators were translating it, they got a little bit conservative in that the word cloak because Paul is fighting for his very life. He is on trial. He will eventually be executed. He stood alone in that trial. And you can tell by the way that he speaks that even to the people that held malice against him, that, that had hurt and were going after him, he just simply says, the Lord repay them for their works. He's not going to repay them. The Lord has the account. He knows what needs to be done in that situation. And even for the people that didn't stand with him and he felt all alone, he said, Lord, don't let it be held in their account. Because sometimes we don't come alongside of a brother or sister when they really need us to. We're not aware. We, sometimes we just don't know the need. And it's not, you know, malice. It's just negligence. We just aren't reading it. And when I talked about last night being a thermostat versus being a thermometer, you can walk into a room and the therm thermometer tells you what the temperature is, but it doesn't necessarily let you do anything about it. Well, the Holy Spirit is certainly not a thermometer. The Holy Spirit will do something about it, wants to do something about it, loves to do something about it when we let Him come in and make adjustments that need to be made. And sometimes it's just holding someone dear and crying with them when they need to cry. Outside of Lazarus' tomb, Jesus didn't have answers. He just had tears. Even though he knew the outcome, he didn't stand back and go, wait a minute, everybody clear the way. I'm about to come in and do something amazing, which he was. He just had tears. Or sometimes we do need to confront and with love and encourage where there needs to be encouraged and correct where there needs to be correction. So, uh, uh, this song came out of that scripture, and I'm going to teach you a part. I want you to remember this part. Break, break, break these chains, break these chains off of me, Lord. Break, break, break these chains, break these chains off of me. Break these chains off of me, Lord. Break, break, break these chains. Break these chains off of me.
it down, you are there. When I cross a raging sea, you are there. When I walk through the valley of ruin and despair, then everywhere I go, you are there. And everywhere I go, you are there. Though the darkness is all around me, Father, when fear wants to drown me, I need you here. When the accuser stands against me, I will have no fear. Cause everywhere I go, Father, and everywhere I go, you Father, you are there. Alone. 
that I didn't write a song for the night, but I am been uh, blessed by the impartation of uh, a couple of people that are life-giving, huh? A little bit of exposure I've had to the cancer areas of just regular hospitals, uh, just one day will set you thinking differently for quite a while. Uh, I, I really do respect, um, and uh, you know, my heart goes out to the people that are caring, such as Sarah and you know, Tim working with her, that are, uh, it just is output every day, you know, just giving life to people that are looking at the you know, really some of the worst case scenarios, yeah. I mean, some young people, not just, you know, just a, the, the weight of taking news like that, you know, and, and just giving life to those people and, and doing it every day, especially when you're dealing with some people that aren't kind and helpful and appreciative. Uh, you find out where your anchor is, so... I think a lot of us would find ourselves, like Sarah said, on the anniversary, just <clears throat> hiding somewhere and realizing we don't have anything but needing the Lord's help. That's <clears throat> incredible. Watch a couple ads for St. Jude's Hospital, and that'll that'll put you right <clears throat> put you right back. Um, okay, I hope you've been built up tonight. That was that was building, wasn't it? The worship, the the song we heard. I want to talk about uh, believing tonight. I think that uh, <clears throat> of all the things that the Lord uh, is able to work through, uh, the one thing that I uh, could say has become clear to me that is on us to do the one thing that is absolutely on us to do is to actually believe. Every, everything else, I believe, is brought our way. There is literally nothing else that is not brought our way by the Lord to change us, to transport us into uh, a different realm, a different kingdom, to transform us into who we have called to be. But all of that that is available is completely dependent upon us believing that it can happen. If you look through the word and you look at what the Lord says about the unbelieving, it is not a positive scenario. He does not. I mean, what does it say about what he feels about the work of those that fall away? In an unbelieving heart, it says he hates it. It is just not, it is not. Unbelief is the one thing that is... It's not impossible for God to change, but he can't work with it at the time. The entire uh, way that the life of God works is dependent on my involvement to believe, to engage myself and to believe that what he says is true, to believe that what he is doing can actually come to pass. 
And I want to take, I mentioned this the other day because the story came up twice, but I want to take a look at Abraham uh, because uh, of all of the fathers that are there, I mean, Abraham is the father of faith. And I think it's been good for me just to actually walk through uh, the story of Abraham. Just to, I want to just kind of read a couple of the stopping points in his career because, you know, you just think about Abraham and you think about what he did and it just feels like, the man of God from start to finish, you know, but that really wasn't the case. Uh, the one thing that Abraham did was that he kept returning to the Lord. And you actually find that to be the case just about for every one of the people of God that he really got a hold of. Man, he got a hold of, of some of the most rascally fellows that are out there. I mean, King David, not your model, not your model king really to start with, you know. I mean, Saul was the guy, he was the model, you know, it, it, everything about how he started seemed right. But um, you, look at, you look at the people that, that got, Peter, I mean, Peter was just a feisty one. Uh, he, you know, and he ran his mouth all the time. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't really catch on to what Jesus was actually here to do for quite a long time. I mean, it really wasn't until Peter found himself saying, three times that I don't know the man. Are you crazy? I'm not even related to this guy. You know, I'm just here warming myself. And till that he wakes up and realizes what he's actually called to be. I mean, you have to, um, when you look through the record that we have, the testimony, what I find of it, one of the most building things about the testimony is that it's, it shows the blood and guts of people that actually got a hold of the Lord. This is not a beautiful fairy tale of people that just love God and walk into the heavens. There is blood and guts of people struggling to find the, the God that called them to not give up, to when they have given up, stumble their way back in the dark to find the helper that actually is the real God that we're called to be a part of. There's a lot of help to be had here. God does not shy away from the ugliness and the struggles and the pain and the darkness that we face. He's actually highlights them. He actually takes time to expound upon those things. I'm very thankful for a testimony of the real story of some of these people that shows you what a day in the life of whoever it was, you know, was because we find ourselves here you know, 2023, waging very serious warfare with the prince of the power of the air, uh, waking up on any given day to wonder, can this really happen? You know, can, do I have the strength? Do I have what it takes to, to meet another day? Man, these promises are incredible, Lord. But I'm just here. I'm just me looking at what I have to face today and looking at my lack. Uh, that's great about all these people. But do I believe that today... This is actually working within me to change me. That's what means something. That's what actually, to walk home from a service, no matter how old you are, maybe you're 10, maybe you're 13, maybe you're 55, and to do business, to say, Lord, I was, I was strengthened tonight to do what? To, to actually face the things that you have put on my plate, to know that you are at work in those things, that you are real, that uh, the things that you have placed me in right now that seem completely overwhelming you're real and you can help me because i believe that you can do what you can say that is the most important thing that i find on any given situation that we're in is that i actually have to repeatedly say lord i believe yeah, yeah. it's good to say help my unbelief because <laughs> there's no fooling 
uh, a God that knows everything. But it is everything to say, Lord, I believe. <clears throat> you know, um, if I, I, I think one of the things that I do believe is that if, um, if the Lord never forced me to come out of the realm of the scene, to live beyond the realm of the scene, I would, I would not actually come into living in the realm of faith. It is just, we are so wired by design, by our nature, to just live in the realm of the scene. I mean, from the minute you wake up, you go to work, everything, everything about this cosmos just pulls you into just living, to analyzing, to responding, to reacting, to just being a part of this world. It just, it's there. And this is why I, I'm, uh, you know, and you heard tonight, it just... To, to come against that, to realize that God is at work across the world with the people that he has called and chosen, that are all of us, we're a part of that family. We have an opportunity to rise above, to be lifted up above this cosmos. If I could request one thing in the morning is, Lord, don't leave me with this realm of this world to go through the day with my thoughts, with my eyes, with my analysis. That's a bad day. Maybe that's Monday. Maybe that's a Sunday. But any one of those days, that's a bad day. And no matter what you're facing through the day, if the Lord uh, can enable you to believe that you can be lifted up above that, every day has victory and purpose and strength to walk forward because he's opening our eyes slowly but surely to the possibility of living in the realm of faith. This is why he says when he returns, will he find faith in the earth? This is what he's looking for. It's a very real thing. You know, this is, <clears throat> I think that the Lord is very practical about the ways that he exercises us. Um, I've looked back on my good weeks, weeks that went well. And sadly, there isn't as much exercising of my faith during those weeks. And, you know, if I was to schedule the rest of the year, uh, everybody would behave. Everybody would do what they're supposed to do. Things would fall into line. Budgets would be right on target. The jobs would be sequenced in a non-stackable way. They would be flowing in a peaceful manner where they can be staffed properly. The right people would come in for the jobs. You know, what I would select out of the year would be any of the conflicts that bring hell to the day that cause me to be overwhelmed by the situation. And I, have, I am trying to come to realize that if I actually trust my father, that he has my good in mind. I'm going to be getting more early recognition. Early recognition is trained into just about every uh, facet of uh, business, no matter what it is. Early recognition is realizing that the Lord is the author of the thing that I'm facing. At home, at work, at, in my life, in my body, whatever it is. And he's authored those things to really force me to have to, to not be able to endure what that is in this realm. Does that make sense? Like, it isn't culpable what God has put me into to remain in this realm. There must be a being lifted up to, to a realm of faith where I am actually trusting a faithful father to where I can uh, actually benefit from the thing that I'm in. That's what I want to say. God is overwhelming by design. He's going to overwhelm me and he's going to overwhelm you. That's what I believe. Is it unfair at times? I don't know. You know, I, uh, it seems unfair. It seems beyond. It seems uh, the things that we face, they're unfixable by us. So they're by design unfair, and, uh, you know, in that regard. But the fact is, 
that if he didn't put me into something that was overwhelming, pretty much I would rely on my own resources all the time. 100%, that's what I found. 100% of the time, I would rely on my own analysis, my own responses to solve whatever it is. And thank you, Lord, that he doesn't let it there, that he throws into our day and into our week and into our life overwhelming situations beyond the odds, beyond repair, beyond fixing, so that I can see, you know what, there is literally no help to be had to any of the cures of this world, of this mind, of this realm. There has got to be a moving into the realm of faith. There's got to be an exercising, uh, daily exercising. <clears throat> if I want to be a part of the family of faith, there's got to be a faster, a more early recognition to say, aha, Lord, I, I see that you have put this here so that I am going to be overwhelmed and I don't have an answer. And if I did have an answer, I'd be a fool to think that that would actually help. I don't know. They don't know. As the guy said, you don't know and we don't know. What do we do about sin? I love that little comedy. What do we do about sin? Nobody knows. Only God knows what uh, is able to help us out of the fix that we're in. And it's, it, it really is his goodness because... He's looking to grow me up out of the places that I would remain, out of the things that I would remain trusting in of myself to, to move me on. So let's take a look in Genesis. Because Abraham was exercised as the father of faith. He didn't start there. That's what I want to tell you. Abraham did not start uh, as the father of faith. I mean, he was called there, but he didn't, he didn't get there <clears throat> without going through a lot of crazy things. Uh, Crazy things. So we're going to turn to, to Genesis 12. I uh, I sit uh, I sit in my desk like a lazy contractor slug most of the day, just running my fingers and running my mouth. It really isn't good for the soul or the body. Um, but the other day I ran to the bathroom and because um, I've discovered that drinking more water is a way to make yourself get out of your chair and go move. Doesn't matter what's going on, eventually you're going to have to get out of your chair and go, go move around. And, I, and my phone buzzed and looked down and it says, exercise detected. <laughs> and I realized right then that if my watch thought that running to the bathroom was exercise, I was in a much worse predicament than I had ever imagined. <clears throat> How bad does it have to be for when you run maybe 60 feet to the bathroom that your watch says, hey, this guy is alive, exercise is detected. You might live. You ran down the hall to the bathroom. So I threw my watch away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the hilarious point of that story is that uh, it doesn't matter how small the start. Abraham started with some pretty silly things, uh, but he didn't quit. Um, you know, the most important part of believing is that you don't ever quit. It doesn't matter if you couldn't believe last week, if you haven't been able to believe your whole life up to this point about whatever the situation is, don't quit on God for where he has you. If you quit, then you remove yourself from all of the available help. It's just that simple. And the enemy is so darn good at just saying the most, it just seems so innocuous, but it's like the, the worst possible choice in the world. Just quit. And everything about what the enemy speaks to you is just, just quit. It'd be so easy. Just quit now. You can get yourself out of all this. You know, just quit. You know, it's like 
It's, it seems so obvious. I remember, you know, um, Steve Faust used to read the stories about, you know, the, uh, the Cold War, just the era of, of, you know, things are happening in the realm of spirit. But when I was a kid, we got to read stories of people that are actually, you know, shot and made to stand out on the ice. And I remember the, the story of the, you know, the eight soldiers that were standing out, or they weren't, no, the eight Christians that the soldiers had standing on the ice. And as a kid, these things are very good just to visualize. And in this case, they actually happened. You know, they weren't a fairy tale, but, you know, they've got the warm guard shack there. Um, this seems like a really simple northern form of torture, like there's ice all over the place. But anyway, you know, and just, just getting these people to recant in their belief. You know, you can come inside the shack, and it's just, you know, like, it seems so clear that, you know, I've got to deny the Lord to go get, okay, this is a really, this is really obvious, you know. This is a clear choice. But when it becomes a battle of the mind, it's not as obvious a choice, you know, like, I'm going to deny the Lord, quit standing on the ice and go into the warm shack. I'm just going to quit. It just seems like everything should get so easy when I quit. That is what the enemy tells you, that, that all of these troubles and all of the struggle, quitting is the best option. That should be a good sign that you are not listening <laughs> to the right voice. I mean, it just, everything you face, that you have to stay engaged with the Lord is simply, on, that's my part. My part is to stay engaged with what the Lord is doing. It's not my part to grab my shoelaces and pull the wagon harder, but it is my part to believe that the Lord can do it and not just do it, but do it in me. Right. No matter how many times I've failed, Lord, I'm going to come back to you and ask you the silly question one more time because I haven't got there yet. Whatever you're doing, I haven't got it yet, and I know you have an answer. I'm going to come back. Anyway, I love how this starts. It says in chapter 12, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, there's so little definition given here, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Man, that'd be a great thing to wake up and hear on a random Tuesday, you know, step out of your tent. <clears throat> you know, I don't know how this came to him, but whatever Abraham had been doing up to this point, he is aware of the voice of the Lord. And it says, the next thing you know, so Abraham or Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. And as John Cheever has pointed out over and over and over again, you know, not only is he not told where the heck he's going, He's not told what to bring. He's not told how to get there. Just like, go. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, nobody would do that. You know, that's, that's, you know, if someone told you to go somewhere, at least they'd have to tell you where it is, and then you can rely on Google Maps to get you the rest of the way. But I mean, there's nothing given here. Just go. And it's like, Abraham, all he knows is that he's supposed to start moving, right? That's the point is, take action and say, Lord, I heard this thing. I believe it. Let's go. And he packs, you know, this, there's no example. Abraham didn't have the Bible. To read. He just heard this and something about his spirit it responds to the direction of the Lord to just move forward. I mean, that is when you get help. That's what I want to say. You got to start. Maybe you got to keep going, but you got to start whatever, whatever the Lord speaks. And uh, it's like the, you're going to see here that over and over and over again, um, Obedience, <clears throat> as simple as it seems, obedience is one of the most critical parts um, of having a life of faith. And, and the fact of the matter is, if you don't, and I don't, uh, trust the Lord that he has my good in mind, <clears throat> we really aren't going to obey, we're not going to respond to uh, a father 
that gives us any directions if we don't really trust that what he says is true. <clears throat> anyway, jump down here to, to verse 10. Oh, interesting. So my dad just said one of the meanings of the word depart is to exercise. This is just the start of his exercise. Yeah. And it was a longer trip than walking down the hall to the bathroom. I can promise you. Yeah. At least I know where the bathroom is. That's a good start. <clears throat> so, you know, you, with, this, with this beginning that seems so prophetic, and we know the whole story. We know he's the father. We know what's coming. But Abraham doesn't know what's coming. He knows nothing. He's just going. You'd think that things should go well on this journey. Like, God has spoken this. This is a God-inspired trip. We're going places. We've got packed up. We don't know where yet, but we've got a lot of excitement. It should be good. The first thing you see in, in verse 10, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. It's like, right away, you know, you have to be careful how you judge what is happening with the situation the Lord has you in. Because um, it may be that maybe Thursday you decide that you're going to engage with the Lord finally to believe, what, that, to believe that he has your good in mind. And it feels like on Friday things should start getting better, right? You know, like, okay, Lord, I give, you win, I'm going to yield in this situation. So now tomorrow is going to be a great day because I've done that. That isn't always the case because... The Lord, his business is to actually fully transition us into the realm of faith. He doesn't stop with where we're at. And it's like Abraham right away runs into the trouble. And this is what happens. And this is what, this is what I just read the other day. And then David read it. This is really humorous. And it came to pass when he was come near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Behold, I know there aren't a fair woman to look upon. This is, you just try to bring yourself into the guy that God is working with here. Because there's a lot of differential between the father of faith and the dude that's going to throw his wife out there in front of himself. I mean, it's just like there's a chasm of what the heck is going on. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. <laughs> this is just hilarious to me. Everyone's like, hey, you know what, Sarah, I've got uh, I see there's a little problem here and I've got a plan, you know. We're going to say you're my sister. Just roll with me here. On the, I mean, okay, you know, I can see any any just roughshod American coming up with this plan. You know what I mean? Like this is this is Abraham. You know, like say I pray thee, thou art my sister, that I may be well with me for thy sake, and that my soul shall live. This dude is just saving his skin. This is the guy at the start of the journey, right? He's not ready yet to take his son, which he doesn't even have, up to the mountain. He's working on saving his skin. We're going to Egypt. I'm with the beautiful girl. They're going to they're gonna say, this is the guy who's going to knock me off. I don't want to have to happen. Please, please tell, you know. So he's literally got his wife fabricating a tail just to save his own skin. Anyway, as you know, it's like, it, it's just, it's, this is just, and this doesn't just happen once. Anyway, we, we know that, you know, he's, he's making up stories. Um, to save his own skin. Luckily, the Lord moves on his behalf and, and he's saved. I want to kind of keep moving through. But if you look at chapter 15, the Lord comes back. He continues on. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Just a great promise here. And Abraham says, Lord, I believe it. No, he doesn't. He says, OK, that's a great thing to say, God. But uh, what will you give me? He's, you know, 
he is moving in a very physical, I want to see what you're talking about realm. You know, it's like, that's a great promise. I feel like I've heard part of this before, but let's, you know, show me the money. And <clears throat> a seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look toward the heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, Show, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Just a simple thing. So far, Abraham has not been doing great at actually being a massively spiritual person on this journey. But, but what he is doing is he is repeatedly returning to the Lord to say, you know what, the promise you've given me that seems way out there, I'm going to believe it, you know. I don't even have a son, so how is this going to work that I'm going to be the father of all the, you know, and the stars of the heaven? No idea, but I'm going to believe it. And then, you know, of course, it goes on in, Gen in 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham said, No, that's not the Lord's solution. He said, That's a great idea. I mean, the guy is, is thinking just the way that I'd be thinking about a situation. We got the promise. I kind of see where I think I know the Lord's taking us. Let's work on how to get there. And I want to say that... Um, the further that I've gone on Whitestone Farms, uh, the younger I was, the more sure I was of how this was going to look. And the older that I've gotten, the less sure I am of how this is going to look. Um, it's almost like God's rattling the cage to make sure that we have absolutely no idea how we are going to get where we are supposed to go. The structure, the facility, the, the everything, the economy... Everything about this, what I think is that God himself, even though there are things that do need to change, there are things that, um, so many things that need to be upgraded, that even if those were all right, God would find some other way of shaking and rattling this place to make sure that there's literally zero trust in the facility of this place to get me where I need to go. It just, um, the solutions that I've had have been kind of similar to this right here. Hey, we're supposed to have a promised son. I, I know the general vision. Let's go to work about how to get this done. Well, oh, you're too old to have a kid. Hey, we got a handmaid over here. That's a great plan. Let's go to work on this. Like, totally the wrong plan. I mean, he's, he's just doing something that is born out of his own analysis. Does that make sense? I've done this a lot. I've, like, I've come to the place where I can see a little bit about where the Lord wants to take me, and it doesn't look like it's happening. And I feel like I've got to fabricate a... A solution, a, a mental, a emotional solution, whatever you want to put it. But if it isn't sourced from the Lord, it really isn't going to work. This was not a great place. This did not go really great for Abraham. I think he probably, you know, I don't know what he was thinking that Sarah would think about this later on. But anyway, so he took Hagar and, you know, hearkened to the voice of the woman and she conceived and things were great. No, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. This like went well like for like a few weeks, and then it went really badly. And Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I've given my maid in thy bosom. When she saw she's conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And Abraham's like, Hey, this is your problem. Do with you, please. I mean, 
This did not go well for the father of faith. <clears throat> anyway, let's keep rolling. As we know, the Lord still was faithful to take care of her. I want to get just a couple more stories. Uh, in Genesis 17, in verse 15, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, said to himself, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And this is great. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Can we just save the plan that I've been working on, you know? Can this just work out? Because I've got something going on here. I've got a plan. Can you just work with me on this plan for a while? It's like, I know that I've woken up some days and realized that the Lord himself and his love for me is actually working to undo my plans. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Because to be a member of a kingdom of faith, of a realm of faith, we have to be removed from any solution that we born out of ourselves. It's like just the Lord and his goodness is going to continue to frustrate, to, to make it in the realm of impossibility what my path is so that I realize I really want to know the Lord. I really want to get to know the Lord that I am called to serve, to know how he works, to know that I have got to be lifted up to operate in a different realm. This realm and the solution that it offers is not okay. <clears throat> anyway, Genesis 20, we're going to just hit the same story one more time. But just again, this should encourage you to know that a guy like Abraham had to repeat a couple lessons. And Abraham journeyed, this is chapter 20, from thence toward the south country and dwelled in Kadesh. And, sure, and Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Like this worked the last time, let's do it again. And Abimelech, king of Jerusalem, sent and took Sarah. <laughs> what a culture. I mean, I don't know how this worked. Hey, excuse me. Where are you from? Oh, we're just visitors. Uh, I need the lady to come with me. Okay, thanks. Yep, see ya. Anyway, crazy. Uh, <clears throat> but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, she is... I really felt bad for Abimelech. Like, seriously? And then he shuts up everybody's wombs in Abimelech's household. I really feel that's unfair. I feel like Abraham should have more responsibility in this matter. And then they're so ready to get rid of him when they're done with this that he, like, piles on blessings. Like, get out of the town as fast as you can. Take whatever you want. Please go on your way, right? Anyway, and, and even Abimelech, he's like, Lord, dude, you know, I did this in the integrity of my heart. What's happening here? And the point was that God is working with Abraham. He's the guy. And guess what? Abraham has within him a heart that is really tricky and completely uh, lacks a lot of integrity, throwing his wife out there twice. But he is going to return to call upon the Lord. You get the picture of a guy that is not just, you know, an, a, a sterile role model. He's got problems and the Lord's still working with him because he still believes what the Lord says. Anyway, as we know, the Lord promises him a son and we come to the to the end and he has the son and he continues to believe the miracle happens. And then if we'll close this story out in Genesis 22, <clears throat> uh, verse one. And it says, and it came to pass, you know, of course. Think about finally getting Isaac after walking through all of these things. Right. I mean, you know, 
your wife is 99, you're, you know, you should be dead by now, you have the son, you know, and everything, and then you can imagine the care that's being given. Um, I haven't waited 99 years to have a child myself, but I can imagine the care. <clears throat> I've waited just a quarter of that, and I cared a lot. And it said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. What, what did not happen is that the Lord didn't come to Abraham in chapter 12 and give him this requirement. Because he was not moving in a level of faith to be able to even walk in this requirement. And what I really strongly believe is that no matter how overwhelming the thing is that the Lord has in your path, and a lot of times it isn't just with our own life, it is with the people that we love, that we are, impo we are totally impoverished to execute a change in a situation. Um, that... The Lord is at work in his mercy to take us just to the place where it feels like it is completely beyond and we will quit. To force us to say, do you still trust me? Do you still trust that I actually have your good in mind? Do you still trust that the, the thing that I've spoken over you, the thing that I've called you to, the thing that I've opened your eyes to see that you're supposed to be like, that is supposed to be within you, do you know that I really actually care that it's real and it's not just it needs to be genuine. And so I'm going to next week and the next week, I'm going to put you in a situation that brings you to the very brink of this overwhelming feeling to see. Will you still trust me? Will you will you simply believe that I have your good in mind? This is this is a God that isn't out to harm us. He brings us to these situations because it's the only way that my faith will grow. I would not volunteer to walk through a situation that is beyond my control. I would engineer my way around it. I would do something different. I would take it off the schedule. But God in his mercy cares enough about us and knows where he knows every plague of our own heart. He knows everything. He knows the faculty and he knows the lacks of each of us. And the situations are so tailored to each of us to overwhelm us in a very specific way to drive us straight home to the Lord. God never for one second, you know, loses sight of where he's taking us. It's not even on the playbook. There's no, there's no like, you know, this sheep in my pasture has wandered off my map. There's no such thing. It's like the farther that you feel from the map, the more brightly he's searching you out. We have a God that is absolutely sure of where he's taking us. There's literally only one way to find yourself to fall short of where the Lord's called you to be. And that is if you quit believing that he can take you there. It is just as simple as that. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that. But it is a choice that we must make. Of all the things that you cannot do, that I cannot do, there is one thing. And it is the most important thing. It is to wake up every day and say, Lord, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to believe even though I feel completely helpless and I feel that I don't deserve any of your help, whatever it is. And I might have said this yesterday, but I'm going to come again to you today and I'm going to believe. And the entirety of the work of the enemy is to get us to stay away from that confession, to stay away in the land of the chasm from my unbelief, the chasm from 
the weight of just wanting to quit is so great that I can't even consider stepping forward today to move into the land of faith. We must recognize how good the enemy is at keeping us from taking that step forward. I mean, literally, Abraham has a crazy story of doing crazy things to save his own skin. But every time the Lord comes back to him, he says, you know what? I, Lord, I want to be the guy. I still want to be the guy that you're working with. You know, Peter completely blows it. Over, he says the most rash, crazy things. He realizes, he wakes up to realize that on the most pivotal moment of history, he's literally sold out the, the king of kings and what he's coming to do. He's like, I'm going fishing. It's the only thing I know to do. I'm going to run back to my job. And then the Lord shows up and he's like, I know who that guy is. That's the Lord. There has to be a recognition of the work of the Lord in our lives to extricate us from everything that we would keep ourselves in. I, I, there are so many things that I would not take myself through that the Lord I know is going to take me through in his care that I would not face, that I would work to get around but I have a faithful father. And the Lord is at work to prove in our hearts he is going to eradicate any bit of quit. Any bit of, and quit is most prevalent when you're trying to do it yourself. I'll say that. When you uh, have come up with a solution on your own, boy, it is the fastest way to fall on your face. But uh, the Lord is at work to reveal to me those places. I will say one thing of historical nature that is, that is, I think of import, and I will skip for the sake of my kids so many of my notes. I will show them to them tonight. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I was reading about uh, George Washington, and I've known all about the history and everything, but I, I just did not recall the level to which um, the details, the specific events, they're chronicled in his letters. How many times the army, by the end of the Revolutionary War, not even by the end, sorry, it, like in the middle, they weren't even getting paid to go fight. I mean... The, the silly little group of people we had leading the, this rebellion couldn't even garner enough you know, clothing and food to keep the ragtag army going. You know, it's, it's just beyond belief. It literally, I was halfway through the Revolutionary War, and I, know, I already know how it's ending, and I said, nope, there's no way. You know, this just ain't happening. I mean, this, this is, you know, there's no way this group can pull this off. You know, how did this, how did, I mean, there's so much divine intervention of, of this whole thing. It's crazy, but... Over and over and over again, as George Washington just met his men on a personal level to say, we're doing something different that's, that's never been done before, where we actually have a cause we believe in. We're not being conscripted by our monarch to go do something, but you actually have a chance to fight for something you believe in, and I know that you're not getting paid, and I'm not getting paid. You know, and his teeth are falling out literally, and he's, he's you know, stressed out, but he's like, can you just go one more week with me to just keep at this thing? Because I actually believe in it. It's like so different than, um, you know, being commissioned to go do something, you know, by being forced to go do something. And to the point that they over and over and over again said, you're the only guy that has any, any chance of pulling this off. We're going to make you the king. I mean, numerous times they tried to get him to run. Even, even once I got into the, you know, more structured realm, the, his best men around him wanted him to they just said you know what this whole idea of of you know this type of government is new and unheard of and it's not working we know a monarchy works you're a great one let's make you the king i mean this just and and even um to the point of you know the entire army um right near the end of the war every his main guys you know 
calling it quits and calling a meeting without him to, to you know, go revolt because they hadn't been paid. But he just, he, he stayed in there because he actually believed in what was happening. And then he, you know, he comes in as president and it wasn't a really pretty job and they, things go poorly and they literally come to Washington and they're tarring and feathering people, you know, of his own. And, and, you know, all he wants to do is he wants to peacefully go back to Mount Vernon just to have a few years of peace. And he realizes that he, for the sake of the nation, needs to stay in, you know, for one more term. And anyway, we don't have time for the details, but the fact is that he goes back to serve to his own detriment. He goes back to serve another term. And he only gets, by the time he gets back to Mount Vernon, he gets, I think, two and a half years to just live in peace before he, you know, dies painfully. And I was just, the point being, it's, it's when um, we have a great effect on each other, um, there's an accountability, but there is a reason that we have each other surrounding us because <clears throat> uh, there is a massive um, principle. The Lord has designed it. We have to work out our own salvation. But when you see somebody that is at the end of their strength and at the end of their situation, when you see them actually waking up to take God's hand one more day, to ask for help one more day, to... Ask for prayer when they are so tired of their name being mentioned one more time, whatever it is, and they don't quit. You are so strengthened to continue in your plight. Maybe it is so small. Maybe it is so insignificant compared to their plight. But we are surrounded by people that are moving forward, that are refusing to quit uh, the greatest thing far greater than democracy that has ever been tried out. That is completely impossible, but uh, we're surrounded every day to be able to work beside and walk beside people that are committed to continuing to go forward with God one more day. That is so significant. Uh, the little comments and the little discussions, every one of them are so important because when, you, when there is a statement of unbelief or bitterness or just defeat, you have to, boy, it has so much power to just take the wheels off the bus so quickly, you know. Um, and when there is a turn against that to just, you know, somebody just, it's like puddle glum, you know. Such a great image of just sticking his foot, you know. We are being taken in here. We're going to make some smoke to wake ourselves up. And like, okay, that actually isn't reality. Because the, this world that isn't real seems so real. This world that has thoughts and has feelings that seem so real that aren't real they can really take you down. And there is a, such a need every morning to reach in, to just simply say, Lord, I, I can see that what is before me is completely impossible. But I can also tell that you're still working with me. You haven't quit. Uh, you have just as much intention and more today, increasing intention to get me home. Lord, I don't wanna take myself out of the race today. I might not be able to be valiant. I might not make it to breakfast looking like a shining knight in shining armor, but I'm going to move forward. I'm simply going to move forward and say, Lord, I believe. I'm going to read one little quote about that, skipping so many things. <clears throat> um, before I read this, that passage about Lord, I believe... Uh, Help my unbelief is of a father that had a, a son, right? <clears throat> you can read it yourself, and I won't read it, but it's an amazing. This guy comes to the Lord, and he says, uh, you know, I've got, 
I've got a son, he's in Mark 9, you know, that has had this disease for a long time. And then Jesus just asked him a, a question he knows. He's like, he asked the father, how long is it since this came unto him? Like, I always get a humor out of Jesus asking people a question, you know, like, okay, you're the guy that knows the best. And he says of a child, it's like, Jesus is wanting him to even just, he realized the, the magnitude of the length of time that this guy has had his son in trouble. And then he says, and oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do this thing, have compassion on us and help us. It's like this father has finally found the one man that he knows can do something. And Jesus says unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he doesn't say, yeah. He says, he cries out, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That's a great thing to say. God knows. He already knows what you can't do. He knows how you're feeling. Uh, but don't stop asking. Don't stop right there, you know. Don't stop one confession before that one. <clears throat> Lord, you know that I feel so far from where you have called me to be. Help my unbelief. Maybe that's all you, all you got, but start, start with help my unbelief. This says, <clears throat> we are in a day of faith which involves us in situations similar to those in which these people... He's talking about the heroes of faith. Sorry, I'm jumping in the middle of this to, to for, for sake of time. And he reads through the roll call of faith in Hebrews. That is everything on the outside contradicting that natural expectation that if you are true and faithful to God, everything is and will go right and there will be no trouble. Right? That's what the enemy wants to tell you, that if, if you're just... Trying to work with God, everything should be going well. To put it the other way, God does not always, but only rarely, break in to change our, situ our situations and our circumstances and to do big things on the outside of our lives. Did you catch that? Yeah. Only rarely does He break in to change our circumstances and to do big things on the outside of our lives. To keep trouble away or to take trouble away. He very rarely does that. The experience of his people is that God does not come in and remove all of our troubles when we ask him and change our situation, but he allows these to go on, the difficult things to continue, and all of these things constitute a fiery trial. I promise you that you will go to the last and be up against things on, at the last, go up against things on the outside and in your own experience, which will altogether be beyond your natural idea of what a life devoted to God should be. Somehow or another, we think that because we are given up to God, because we have let everything go for God, that God will make everything right in our lives. But that is quite the opposite. God is after saving our soul in faith. This is <clears throat> T. Austin Sparks. Whatever plight, whatever need, whatever impossibility, whatever is going round and round and round for us to walk through, right? Those are the things that are so hard to face, that have, that have just taken us again and again. The things that we know. <clears throat> Lord, I know this. You, why is this catching me again? Well, don't quit. 
The one option is don't quit. Choose to just, if you can't do anything else, say, Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. I think it's really simple. I think there are some simple things. I think that the way that the enemy gets us are so good. There are so, there is, there's so much media. There's so much distraction. There's, for all of us, from young to old, just to be able to be removed from the reality of what we're doing, just to take a different thing. No, I, if, carve out time just to quietly say, Lord, I'm going to quiet myself and come to you again to say, I know, Lord, that you're at work in this situation, and I do not want to give in to the voices that are tagging me that are of the enemy, I want to say, Lord, please be it unto me according to thy word. And I think in those areas that regardless of the situation, regardless of what the physical outside things might be doing, they might not change, that you and me are being born up into a kingdom of faith. Amen. Thank you, Gabe. <clears throat> you know, you can make this whole calling of God as complicated as you want. But if you want to narrow it down to one simple thing that we can understand is belief. It really comes down to not all the other stuff, all those other things are, I'm sure, important and they have their place. But if you really wanted to narrow it down to one thing that you could take away any given day is that you don't lose belief. Because the minute that you do, you quit and you stop. Um, when, um, when you have nothing else, right? And, um, and nothing else lines up, everything is, you don't have any evidence of what you like to see. Um, the one thing that you can hold on to is knowing and believing that God's work is gonna be completed. And if you have that, you still have what it takes to continue. But when we lose that, then you start believing the evidence. <laughs> You start believing the voices. You start believing all those other things. And then, you know, you have nowhere to go. Um, but, you know, then, then God makes it a little bit more complicated. Then, he, you know, he expects us to believe in the invisible. Uh, so if it wasn't enough. <laughs> uh, and that is, but that is the thing is that you can't see. When you can't see what, sh what you think. You know, Gabe had an important line. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you caught it. He said something to the effect, to be a member of the kingdom of faith, we have to be removed from any of our plans that think that we know how things should end. Something like that. That's a horrible line. <laughs> To be removed from any of our thinking, any of our ideas of how we think things should end. Um, to be, <laughs> I want to be a member of this, of this kingdom that he's talking about, but man, that is quite a high mark. 
that, that God is, you know, removing all the props, everything else, all the evidence, so that you can now believe in something that is invisible. But that's the thing. That's the key word. If you continue to hold on to faith, continue to believe and trust that regardless of the evidence, regardless of everything else, that he is going to be a faithful God and he is going to complete the work. Uh, you know, it says in Hebrews that Moses um, believed. Okay, let's look it up. Um, it says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, of the king for he endured as seen him who is invisible. He, that's the reason that he endured was because he saw something that was invisible. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you see what's invisible? I'd like an explanation on that one of these days, Lord. <laughs> um, but Moses, Moses went beyond what, what he, he could feel, what the evidence that was around him, and, and, and held on to faith, held on to, to that little drop of whatever was inside of him to hold on. And as long as we do that, we move on. As long as we do that, we haven't quit. And as you know, that I think, yeah, one of the most important prayers that we give is, Lord, help my unbelief. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. That, you know, anything that is in here that still, that still wants to quit, that still wants to look at the natural evidence as, as the, the, the strength that we need to continue, that, that those things, you know, we somehow be removed from that so that regardless of whether we see what's in front of us, we take the step and know that, that he is there to meet us. Um, let me just, just for encouragement, if not for no, for no one else, for Gabe, this is what I came to service with. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. John uh, 3.16, 1 John 3.16. <clears throat> what I had written down on a little piece of paper in case. Just in case. Um, you know, you do the math and you do that, 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 and then you... But I had really a lot of faith that Brother Gabe was going to come tonight. Where is it? Yeah, no, but it wasn't there. That's what I was started reading. Oh. <clears throat> Verse 23. And this is the commandment. Okay, so this is the commandment. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another as He gave us commandment. The one thing that you are commanded to do is to believe in Him. God takes care of the rest. He takes care of making sure that the invisible somehow makes it through to give you whatever it is that you need. But he doesn't do it without as seeing as Moses did, as seeing him who was invisible throughout, you know, whatever your, the recipe is for the test for that day. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. It's good to see you guys here. It's good to hear from you guys. Thank you for sharing tonight.